Welcome to the podcast, everybody. My name is Danny Cola, and I'm very excited to introduce to you my next guest, Nike fitness trainer, Carmen Del Mastro. You can check his Instagram out at nooch underscore 13. That's N-O-O-C-H underscore 13. We had a great conversation. He shared his story about playing college baseball at Temple how he moved from Philadelphia to Chicago to train athletes. And the reason why I got connected with Carmen is because he's got a great style of training when it comes to athletic and sports performance. And as a coach, I'm always trying to learn from different trainers and coaches so that I could build my arsenal as best as possible. And it's always fun just vibing with different trainers, different people, understanding their mindset. You know, his story of... Trying to become a professional ball player out of the East Coast is very inspirational because I could relate to something like that. And I also think that chasing novelty and having big dreams and aspirations is very, very important for the brain and very important for self-development. And that's what I got out of this conversation. And I hope that that's what you guys get out of this conversation. So without further ado, here's my guest, Carmen Del Mastro, Nike fitness trainer. Check him out on Instagram at nooch underscore 13. If you like what you hear today, please do me a favor and rate and review the podcast. And if you like what you hear, please share it with somebody that you love. Enjoy the show. Hey guys, before we get started today, I just want to talk a little bit about my Steel Mace 101 90 minute workshop. If you're interested in learning how to use this novelty like item, this tool, this workout tool, Come check out Steel Mace 101, October 26th at 11 a.m. at On Your Mark Studios on the West Side. There will be a link to it in the show notes. We will go over the basics so that you could approach the Steel Mace safely and effectively so that you can use it with your clients, so that you can use it with yourself, and optimize your performance with this awesome, unique tool, the Steel Mace. Without further ado, enjoy the show. Carmen Del Mastro. Other offers. Um, there's Ryder, St. Joe's, like all the area Philly schools mm-hmm. were all interested. And then I ended up going to Temple, walking on. So I was like, yeah, I can stay relatively close to home and then do what I have to do there. I can always bounce back and forth between my home and campus because it's only, I don't know, you've, you've never been to Philly. So I've never been to Temple's Philly. from, you know, South Philly is maybe. 20 minutes interesting that, with traffic did you feel like the culture you grew up in like staying close to home was something important to you when you were making that next step um I, looking back i wish i would have went you know somewhere further. i mean you're away now right yeah exactly i mean but at the same time i was always away you know i lived mm-hmm. in colorado playing ball i lived in uh, california playing ball so i was like always somewhere i was always traveling because you, you play maybe 56 to 65 games in college that's a lot so forget going to class in like right. the spring right so you're you're everywhere and especially if you have like a your conference teams that you play so you're away on the weekends too hmm. so you travel your way um so maybe going somewhere else like a cal berkeley or yeah. something like i don't know maybe colorado right university of colorado yeah. i like, mean that's the thing like the kids from the east coast they do not get the same treatment as the baseball guys in the midwest or in the in the west coast or down south because scouts don't care it, like you're an East Coast guy, you're not a you're not a baseball guy. You know you, they're your football players, they're your basketball guys. Come from hmm. the East Coast. That's why Mike Trout is such like an anomaly. 
you know, Millville, New Jersey guy, probably going to go down as the best baseball player ever, to be honest. Mike Trout. Yeah, so. I'm not, like, super, I mean, I know who Mike Trout is, obviously, because yeah. of his freaking crazy stardom. Mm -hmm. But like I said, like, at the beginning, I'm just like, with sports, I've totally threw out to so much energy as far as, like, how much I actually paid attention to him. But, you know, you hear the big stories. You hear a guy like, what's his name? Uh from the Steelers to the Raiders, Antonio Brown. Oh, Brown. Right? Like, you hear these big stories because, like, the majority of people are talking about mainstream sports. Exactly. You know, but anyway, so I didn't know that East Coast people didn't get as much of a yeah, you're luxury not gonna in baseball. Exactly. I mean, even if you look through Major League Baseball, you're not going to have a lot of East Coast guys hmm. on MLB rosters. I mean, maybe you'll have some scattered throughout, you know, the minors. But yeah. you, talk, you talk about, like, a huge player pool for baseball. Scouts aren't going to go to the East Coast, the cold weather, to go scout totally. the guys. And like I said, unless you have an anomaly, like a Mike Trout, yeah. then they're going to go and, you know, scout this guy. But you, you have – it's such a global game. It's like why would you go there yeah. when you have talent in down south, totally. west coast, totally. you know, international. So. so how did your heart get into baseball so young? I, my dad. Yeah. It was all from my dad. He was a baseball player, boxer growing up. Originally an East Coast guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a Philly guy. His family came – from Italy, nice. so awesome. they um, stopped in Philly, so they just stayed there. Um, so he got me into sports. I, I can't remember a time when I wasn't playing sports. Yeah. You know, I didn't just play baseball, it was soccer, basketball, football. I literally boxed. I boxed them for God knows how many years. So Sweet. I did everything growing up. And then baseball was like, I would honestly say it was probably my third best sport. And I was like, hey, let's go do this for. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> yeah, wow, probably, just yeah. like a, a freaking talent. And yeah, I would probably of... say soccer and basketball. I was probably better really? in both those sports. Do you, could you have gone D1 in both sports? Or? I mean, say, if you asking me, I would say yeah. Okay. Knowing me, I would just say yeah, no matter what. Um, to be honest, looking back, being smaller and having to put in so much work, being at a Division One, even if it's like a kind of a lower level Division One, like Temple was, it's like, man, it's hard. It's hard. To and that's something one. to me that the re like our average people don't understand necessarily that you get to that next level, everyone's yeah. fucking amazing. Yeah. Everyone's High school kids need to beat that in their head. Exactly. Like, when you're the man in, in, you know, big fish, small pond, you get to a place where everyone's the big fish from the small pond Absolutely. or whatever, like, it's cutthroat. And if you don't have the mental capabilities to keep sure. up with the high demanding schedule that is Division One, or even, like, some D3 schools have, like, very demanding schedule oh, of their athletes. Junior colleges. Too. Junior colleges, yeah. right? You watch that, that thing on Netflix. Last Chance uh, You. Last yeah, Chance You, right? Yeah. It is great. That's you know, awesome. it shows a story of people really trying to get it, and it shows the competition. Yeah. It shows how hungry people are. And, like, you have to develop that stuff over time. That mindset isn't going to come. Oh, yeah. You know, naturally over time. I mean, it's not going to come overnight is what I mean. Yeah, I you mean, that, I mean, that show got a bad rap, but at the end of the day, that's how coaches, like, people are. Like, people don't care. Like, their jobs are on the line. That's their livelihood. It's cutthroat. They have to get, they have to win. They have to do X, Y, and Z in order to make it to the next level. Yeah. Those guys don't want to coach Juco for the rest of their lives. <laughs> like, I mean, sure, it's great. God knows what they're paying them. I always thought still. about, like, how the hell do you get, because I'm, a, I, you know, I got into coaching. It's being, part of my career was in high school, being a teacher, health teacher, driver's ed, PE. You get into coaching soccer and like, I had some success as a player playing at high school level, going to state tournaments, coaching state state players, and, like, trying to find something that resonates with them to motivate them to get them to that level, yeah. you know, and visualizing something. So, like, I was there at that point, but, like, people really don't understand the ethic, the work ethic that goes into building something from nothing yeah. and really visualizing yourself and getting there. So how much did your, um, like, 
understanding of working out and recovery and nutrition and sleep and mindset grow while you were in college? Oh, that's what kind of just pushed me through. I mean, growing, I feel like I'm still, and I can relate it to training today. Like I've always felt like I'm better than everybody else and not in like a cocky, like- You just had the confidence. Exactly, it's a confidence thing more than anything. And And I just had this conversation with another trainer. I was like, if you didn't tell me that you thought you were better than me as a trainer, you know, I would just get up and walk out because you have to have that mentality. It's sure. like an everyday confidence thing. And sure. it's nothing against anybody else. We're all great in our own, you know, specific areas that we mm-hmm. are in our jobs. But that's what kind of got me to go to a division one because if you would have sold me, you don't pass the eye test. There's a big thing like in pro sports, this guy, he's like six two, good looking guy, you know, he can throw a little bit, mm-hmm. he can move around well. Mm-hmm. He passes the eye test. Mm-hmm. He's a division one athlete. Mm-hmm. You look at a hundred and thirty pound kid who is super scrawny, super skinny, but he can run pretty fast, probably should be playing at Division three school. No, but he thinks he's the shit, and he's going to work harder than everyone else. He's going to stay later. He's going to be in earlier than everybody else. This kid can play Division one. That's the mentality. I was like, if I just work really hard and I push through, and that's the same mentality I have as a trainer today, if I keep doing what I'm going to do, good opportunities are going to come to me. So that's what got me here right now as a trainer, and that's what got me through college. And then, you know, bad luck happened. It was just like... One bad break, basically. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but definitely, and if I knew, I always say if I knew what I knew now, the trainer, I would not have done half the stuff I did training-wise. Totally. And when I, you know, going out and drinking and doing all that stuff in college, you know, it comes hand-to-hand. I didn't really, you know, I didn't have a beer until I was a freshman in college. That's when I had my first drink. I was wow. like, man, this is wild. It comes, it comes <laughs> with the culture, man. Yeah. It, it's part of the culture, and it's part of figuring yourself out, too, like, Kudos to you for having the will and the desire to fucking go after your dream at such a young age. Like, I was, like, you're chasing novelty, yeah. right? You're chasing the whole, like, I want to be a professional player because it's amazing to try to, like, like that story, to achieve that, sure. right? And there's something about chasing novelty that builds neurochemistry. Like, you, you put connections in your brain. It's much healthier. You have, like, that mind-heart connection, yeah. right? And that mind-heart connection is something that I'm reading about a little bit more that... Once those things align a little bit more, plus the balance of your, your physical and mental system, you can manifest those things. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? So what, what I want to ask and, and what really uh, resonates with me and with your story is that what was zero to seven like in your life from the time you were born to about seven to your, your teenage years? Because I'm, I'm very lucky and I have, I have the same kind of mindset in you, as you as the will the will to get after it and build my dreams up. Like, I was very fortunate to come from a family yeah. who loved the fucking shit out of me For sure. and never restricted me in any way. They said, Danny, find your thing, go do your thing, love what you're doing and fucking get after it. And don't expect us to give you anything, but don't expect anything, uh, don't expect us to take anything from you. Learn this on your own and fucking love your thing. And I'm very grateful for that. What, what was your family dynamic well, like? It's probably like the same exact. My mom and dad would just, give me the shirt off their back and like knowing what I know now like they're not you know in the best condition whether it's like you know financially right so that kind of like irks me even more that I didn't make it and couldn't like help them sure so that kind of bothers me a little bit so I still deal with that because you know they did everything possible for me you know paying to go to this camp or paying for this newest bat that I didn't need but my dad was like all right you're gonna get this bat yeah you know go you know do what you love to do or like buy me this four hundred dollar glove Again, 
how many freaking gloves do you need? Right, you know? right. You could just stitch up the old Dude, ones. Dude, I used so I used to get fucking soccer shoes from yeah. Sports Authority, and then all my friends at, at high school had like the newest shoes, and I'd be like, Dad, I want to get the new Total 90s that are out. Yeah. Denny, it's not about the shoe, it's about the foot in the shoe. Like shit like that, yeah, exactly. you know? Like I'm, I'll forever grateful, be forever grateful for my parents just to kind of like show me a road, show me what's possible. And like, I, dude, I feel you too. Like they're not, they weren't in the best financial situation. And part of me was like, I made the decisions for myself based on what I thought my family's financials were. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like, it was hard for me to kind of like do the things that I wanted to do, knowing that they were a luxury, knowing my parents couldn't necessarily afford it. Yeah. Then it started to conflict my mindset. Like, how hard do I want to go into this? How hard should I go into the workforce? Yeah. How hard should I try to be making money? Because Absolutely. you know, I started being a trainer at 18 and I put my D1 capabilities on hold so that I can make some money. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then I ended up quitting training for a little while to go back into college and do the NFL thing, try to be a kicker and punter. Oh, really? Yeah, that, that was awesome. it. Yeah, so like when you tell I'll me these up. things, well, it lights <laughs> up in my head. And, I, and a lot of the same things happen in my life. Like I had a hip issue forever. Yeah. You know, and I, the, the one thing that I was obsessed with was trying to like kill the bench press at the combine <laughs> and do like 225. Man, don't, they don't care. They don't give <laughs> they a fuck. But Can for, you put the ball between where it's supposed to go? That's all we care about. Bottom <laughs> line. Bottom line. And, and like I, I, I loved kicking and I loved doing that, but I also wanted to defy odds of what all kickers were at the time yeah. in like 2010. They were all like scrawny little fucking you guys. You to be an athlete. I wanted to be the guy that's like strong and that football ego, you know yeah. and what I mean? And I never reached full potential because ego got in the way i was too stubborn i wanted to fucking do the the stuff that made no sense and i wasn't paying attention to my mobility yeah, I, was I wasn't gonna say it was like oh i'll just hit on those bench press and not care about my hamstrings or my hip flexors <laughs> dude and you know i was like like doing the other things like squatting deadlifting and all that stuff that i thought was going to benefit me yeah. just kind of like what you were doing at temple for sure but i i was just an average kicker at best yeah. and it wasn't until college was over and i entered the workforce as a teacher where i was doing like recreational flag league where I started to get in tune with my body yeah. and my mindset and like the one thing that kicking done maybe you could like uh you could attest to this too with batting it's like you have to shake off the negative oh yeah absolutely. right yeah. like you put I mean, yourself in a situation like it's that. that next pitch mentality it's next play mentality I mean baseball I don't care what anyone says it's the hardest thing to do in sports is to hit a round ball with a round bat it's not it's easy it's not easy like I said we talked about earlier like going from a high school where everyone's the man to jumping into a Division One school and you're just like, man, the game moves fast. This is a boring game, air quotes again, on TV, <laughs> but, you know, but you get into it and it breaks down to a really fast one-on-one -on -one mental game and you're just like, and then even going, jumping up into like pro ball, you're just like, damn, the game moves even faster. So did you get crazy. any looks at farm clubs or like did you get drafted? I mean, I would bounce around, you know, independent leagues and stuff like that, but it was just like, I couldn't get back to where I was. I mean, there was a time when I was at Temple where the ball just looked like a beach ball to me. Like my senior year at Temple, mm. I think I struck out three times. I was like mm. one of the hardest people in the country to strike out. The game started to slow yeah, down for you. Yeah, everything slowed down for me and it was awesome. And then I hurt my ankle again. So I was like, no, this can't happen again. Like I was fine all through my senior year and then it happened again. And I was like, dumb luck. It wasn't even, I didn't even foul the ball off in my senior year. I got caught sliding in the second base and I never slid feet first. I was always head first. We were playing on a turf field, and I had metal spikes on, and my cleat got caught underneath me, and that's how I messed my ankle up. Same ankle again. Fuck. I was like, why? Like, yeah. What dumb luck that yeah. I have to like go into this 
Like, I'm literally, stat-wise, was one of the best players in the country at a certain point when that happened. And I was like, this can't possibly happen again to me how at much, this point. How much more in the season did you have? Um, we were probably about halfway through wow. at that point. I mean... Were you out for the rest of the year? No, I, I was out for, like, maybe two weeks. Probably should have been a lot longer than two weeks, but... It's still, it's hard to jump back in. Like, basically, it's not a sport where you can take time off and then jump back in. Dude, it's momentum's like, a real thing, buddy. Well, the, the one thing you're not going to get back, you can be physically, you can be, you know, athletic, you can be in great shape, but you're not going to get back your eyesight. Baseball is a sport you need your eyesight for. It. You know, you're not going to pick up, you know, hand angles with guys throwing 98 mile an hour fastballs and then they th- come down with an off-speed pitch that's 92 miles an hour, but it's also breaking, like, from your eyes <laughs> to your feet. And yeah. if you don't see it, you're screwed. Unreal, so, dude. That's, that was my main thing. It was just like, man, I can't bounce back from being hurt. And now, like, I'm physically, I'm fine. But mentally and, like, visually, I'm just not there. And, like, you can't get people to, like, shadow, or, like, throw to you and, like, shadow. Right. Yeah, you're can't just mimic not going to mimic play. it. Yeah, you're yeah. just not going to mimic it because you're not going to have that level of, pe- of, like, Joe Schmo around the corner. Right. Hey, you come throw me BP, it's not going to happen. Not going to happen. You know? <laughs> it's just not going to happen. 100%. Work. So then after senior year... Describe to me your mindset when it's like, okay, well... I was 100% lost. I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life, and I was kind of like in a depressed state for a little bit. What's so, a little bit? Um, maybe one or two years. Okay. So it was not just like so a you graduated at, you graduated at 21? Or how, what, 20, what? Yeah, 21. I think 2010, that's 21. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> you, what, what are you, 87, 88? 87. 87, yeah. okay, yeah. So, so we're right around the same, same age, so... Yeah, but that time I was still trying to play, like bounce around, but again, like... Mentally, I wasn't where I needed to be because I was always hurt. I'm like, I'm just going to get hurt again. And, like, I can't mm. be where I want to be. It was just, like, easy to me. It, literally, the game was super easy. And that's a hard thing to say. Like, my senior year, nothing was going wrong. Everything was right. It was like, okay, I could hit this, like, chickpea. If you throw this at me, if it's going to yeah. break, I'm going to hit this. That's going to be a single. You know, it didn't matter to me. I was just, like, so locked in. And it was like, all right, this is what all that hard work was paying off for from, Fuck like, yeah. the time. I, like, I played – summer ball in Colorado and it started there and you know I was MVP of the league out there playing in this big collegiate league in Colorado so it went from there and just transferred all the way and I was like all right here we go let's go summer I waited Beautiful. three years to start and like do this I mean I started as a junior and like sophomore but still it was like now's the time like I'm matured yep. and where I need to be but yep. like man just to have it like ripped away from you and like just know that you could be there still if you just didn't get hurt that sucks so going from that, like all that torment, all the pain, because like you align yourself with this outcome yeah. and it just being stripped, that's not an easy thing to deal with. It happens to a lot of people in everyday lives. How do you find the silver lining? Do you have a protocol? Like what, like, what do you tell yourself to keep going? Like, how do you take the skills that you've acquired over the time of your life and, and apply it to another journey, like to what you're doing now, essentially? Like what you're doing now is amazing. Like I said, you, were, you break down sport, basic sport performance uh, exercises in a nice way for people to understand. And, you know, like you're building this business up from Philly to Chicago and like you're part of this great gym and on your mark and working with, with Nike people. Like how do you like how did you just find that silver lining? How did you go into this direction? I mean... It's funny how I even became a trainer because I think I was just, like I said, I was lost a little bit. And my brother was just there with me one day. He's like, you know what? You should become a trainer. Older brother? Younger <laughs> yeah, brother? brother. Okay. <laughs> and I was like, okay. It's just like him. Interesting. Yeah, just him being like a, um, like a figure in my life who's someone yeah. I looked up to growing yeah. up. You know, we always look up to our 
older siblings. You know, yeah. we, me and my brother are really close. Like, That's cool. Probably my best friend. So him just saying that to me, I was like, oh, okay, sure. Interesting. So, so I went okay. and got my certification, worked at a, um, like a smaller box gym, and then that's how I got linked up with another box gym, and then Boyle's stuff was Michael Boyle's gym. Yeah. So I worked on their Michael Boyle's people for a little while in Philly because he was doing the MBSC Thrive stuff. So there for like two years. Did you even realize like what kind no. of information you nope. were embarking? Nope, 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 <laughs> nope, not at all. And then once, once we were done, I was like, Wait a second. Yeah. That was really good information I was learning about from like probably one of the biggest trainers in the world. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it was like cool. So not too many people know that about me either. Though. So they just see me on Instagram and think that I'm just this hoppy springy right. jumpy guy. No, you've like, actually <laughs> educated. I mean, it's evident. You yeah. know, anyone who knows anything about exercise and fitness and longevity and functional pattern and functional movement, like you can see that in your work. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So that, that's interesting to me because like you didn't have that plan, you didn't have that way of thinking, but maybe in a way that's like, that was like destined for you, predestined yeah. for you to go along that line. If you never got injured, then you wouldn't have embarked upon Michael Boyle's information and become sure. the, the guy that you are now doing this that you're doing now. And that's know? kind of the way I see it. It's like they're basic, fundamental, like functional stuff. And then it's just me like turning up like the, yeah. the levels to that, you know, yeah. finding what works for me, what works for my athletes is yeah. kind of like the um, phrase if you ever watch professional wrestling or if you're in the Fuck wrestling yeah. like the best characters yeah. are always the uh, guys that are just themselves and they turn the volume up yeah. to like another 10 notches or 20 notches they're your best wrestlers they're just yeah. themselves just turning it up yeah. a little bit more and The Rock like, yeah The Rock Stone Cold Stone Cold you know, my CM favorite. Punk all these guys yeah, yeah. Know, once you start turning them up and like they actually are themselves and it's not fake it's not just something they're doing for the sake of doing it in front of the camera that's the way I see myself as a trainer. Dude, that's awesome. That's, are you familiar <laughs> yeah. with what Diamond Dallas Page is doing right now? Oh, the DDP yoga? Yes. Yeah, I hear Dude. it's awesome. My How, brother has it. Does he? <laughs> yeah, he has it. <laughs> is yeah. it working for him? I mean, he likes it, so. Well, I mean. dude, DDP, the, the passion he brings behind this. Yeah, And, like, some of his stories. It's just, like, there's definitely something to, obviously, the eccentric part of muscle fibers, right? It's not sure. constantly contracting and, 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 and extenuating, pushing yourself to the max. It's dialing it back you know david goggins talks about it all the time and, yeah uh, i was so into running and i'm running all the time and i'm looking heavy 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 but now i'm into yoga 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 <laughs> but like that those type of people have like this extreme mindset yeah. you know what i mean and like again there needs to be balance there sure. needs to be that back and forth and and as a coach understanding that in your in your athletes understanding when they've had too much or when they have to dial it back or when you know you're nursing with the injury or trying to get them back like that's all in what the coach understands as far as like body reading energy the way that they're they're bringing it in the workout or not like to the, and you said you're a stickler with the programming like all that will dictate how your programming is going to be and that and i am 100 percent. it's going to be i'm trying to take care of you I, right as an athlete as like a general population client right. like you're all getting the same, you know, out of me, no matter who you are. Right. So I want the best for you. You know, the main rule is like, do no harm to people. Yeah. You know? no, do no harm. And my other rule for my athletes is don't be an asshole. You know, come in here, treat this the same respect you would treat like a professional facility because totally. it's all the same. You know, I had a guy played receiver for the Texans. He was training with me for a little bit and he always complained about his ankle mobility. My ankles hurt, my hips hurt, this, that, and the other thing. But at the same time, when I'm trying to like break down his programming to be, you know, minuscule and like take care of his feet and his joints. 
we don't want to do that. You know, I want, you know, the Instagram stuff. I want to, you know, go 100 miles an hour no matter what. And I was like, can you just tell me you were having pain in your ankles, pain in your Achilles, and pain in your knees? What the hell are you doing this shit for? Why the fuck am I going to, you know, have you doing all this stuff? Like, I'm trying to take care of you. And so, needless to say, it wasn't a good relationship. If it doesn't work out between me and the athlete, that's fine. You yeah. know, I'm just worried about doesn't you. It like, doesn't sound like a you problem. Yeah, right. <laughs> and you that's know? the thing you get with some people, you know, some people, they don't want to listen. And, you know, sometimes you mesh well with people. Maybe it's, you know, your, our astrology signs, they mesh well with some people. Yeah, yeah, Maybe yeah. it's not. But, yeah. you know, that's the deal, thing you have to deal with when it comes to, you know, your pro athletes or, like, some of your higher level sure. clients. I mean, it's a give and take. Sure. You know, you want to give them as much. But at the end of the day, we still know what's better. For then you know the people that sure. are coming in, we're just trying to help. Sure, you know if you want if you want to show up at ten o'clock when your session's at ten o'clock, that's another thing. When mm. I tell you to show up, you know twenty minutes early and then go through all your mobility stuff. Yeah, so we can get into the cool yeah. stuff. Then there's a problem there. You know, dude. Like as part of my career being a high school teacher, like there are kids that. Oh man, you must have seen it all then. I've, I, <laughs> dude, there was a, a huge spectrum of individuals that I've. I've come across yeah. from, you know, 10 years old in lower income areas yeah. to, you know, 15 to 20 years old in like affluent areas. You know what I'm saying? Like there's a huge spectrum and like delivery of information I'm finding is extremely important. Like and, and understanding how kids are going to take things or not just kids, but like adults in general, like meeting somebody where they're at and delivering the information that you know is best and, and you're trying to help in the most subtle way, because you can understand, like, some people have high ego. Yeah. Like, diva athletes, for example. You tell them that, hey, your ankle mobility is really shitty, and you say, like, hey, dude, your ankle mobility sucks, but you say it like that, that might be giving them 100%, like, I want to put a defense mechanism up right now, and be like, wait, you don't know me. Yeah. I've had so much success with these ankles, and these, you know what <laughs> exactly. I mean? Like, get the fuck out of here. Who the hell do you think you are? <laughs> but if you approach it in a way, like, and the same thing with kids, like, if you approach it in a way of nonviolent, like, I'm reading this book right now about I forget who it's by, but Paul Check. You know Paul Check? Mm-hmm. Paul Check, he recommends this book all the time. It's called Nonviolent Communication. Gotcha. It's a great way to like decipher the information that you obtain and trying to give it to somebody else to better them or, or whatever, just to build the relationship between you and that person as yeah. a trainer and client or coach and player or student or and teacher, like whatever, whatever it is, to explain it in a way that's, oh, okay, I got it. And that's sometimes on a real high individual level based on where that person's environment is and where they came from and how they were spoken to. And again, going back from zero to seven, what was their life like from zero to seven? If uh, a male figure, a strong male figure was in their life talking down to them all the time, they're gonna sink back to those feelings of, oh, that male figure was talking down to me, I'm gonna close up and put this defense up. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So like, I'm trying to be more aware of that when it comes to coaching my students, coaching my players, coaching my clients, uh, being a mentor, and, and learning for myself too. Like, I got to pay attention to those things in me. What push? What what makes me piss? What what is ego driven? What can I put aside? How can I better myself from there? You know what I'm saying? And it's funny you said that. It's just just like you know, almost training the dog type deal. The mm-hmm. dog's gonna react to how you act, or like mm-hmm. a child, he's gonna pick up what they mm-hmm. see on a day to day basis with you. So it's like if you coach a bunch of high school kids and they see you getting pissed off or they see you cursing or they see you being an asshole all the time, what do you think they're going to do? Right. You know, especially kids in high school where their minds are like at their most vulnerable. Mm-hmm. It's like, especially in today's society mm-hmm. where we really need to like hunker down and yep. like be the best influence we possibly could be. Cause you know, 
we're in a social media era where everything is like glorified and like, oh, well, my life needs to be like this. And there's so much, many cases of depression going on. It's just so like, much, we need to just be as best as we possibly can for those minds. And it's like, just get, put me in front of some of these kids and like, let me help them as best as I possibly could. Yeah. I would love to have high school kids in here all the time and just be, you know, an influence to them. Definitely. And like be Definitely. Just like Maybe that's guy. something we can collaborate on in Absolutely. the future, you know, sure. because like that's been... That's been a real goal of mine, and I've had trouble mingling and bringing my philosophies in with academia, Yeah. right? Nobody wants to listen to the nuances of fitness and health and mindset and wellness. They just want to, a lot of times, unfortunately, and there's a lot of great teachers that really try to push against the system, don't get me wrong, but there are a lot of people, a lot of people who just want to fucking take their paycheck yeah. and go home, yeah. okay? They're there to do the bare minimum, and it doesn't matter what example they're putting on, they just want to collect their money and get the fuck home. But the problem is kids see that, right? So, you know, you're doing a great job of leading by example. You're doing the things that you want kids to emulate. For sure. That is the ultimate way that you can get somebody to buy in. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then you, you pair that with talking in a, in a way that they're going to understand and grasp. That's a recipe for success. And then, it, like, you, impact, you have that impact on the kid or the, 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 the student or the athlete or whatever. And they will, that will resonate with them and it will magnify. They're going to go home and they're going to tell everybody how their coach made them feel because no one, no one forgets that. Absolutely. Right? Those high moments. Like, I'm sure you can go back to plenty of times where you were even in flow your senior year before you got injured. All the things that were leading up. I'm sure coaches were telling you, dude, Carmen, this is amazing. Let's keep going with this. And you're like, yeah, fuck yeah. I'm going to get into this zone and I'm going to mm -hmm. keep doing my thing. Like, that goes a long, long, long way, I believe. Yeah, I mean, and definitely – I think more so for me, some of my assistant coaches um, in college were probably the biggest beneficiaries to me mm -hmm. growing up or like in college, mm -hmm. like one of my, you know, our infielders coach or like our pitching, even like our pitching coach, these guys were like, just had my back pushing me, pushing me, pushing cool. me constantly. But, it, you know, not to say I didn't like the head coach, but. You know, just <laughs> well, some of these philosophies they rub you the wrong way, yeah, exactly. Right, and like that, like you're 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 thinking to yourself, like with all the information that I've, uh, you know, learned over the course of my time, is this really going to optimize my my p potential? Mm -hmm. And like when your your livelihood, your life is on the line, when you want to, you see yourself in the majors, yeah, right. Is this going to jeopardize my future? For sure, you know, and that probably sits with you subconsciously. It's like, and it, and and to me, it shows me why you're doing the work you're doing. You don't want anyone to have that again. You don't want anyone to feel that lapse that you you felt. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? So like, you're teaching all these athletes these real functional movements, For sure. these real patterns that are really going to strengthen those imbalances to make them be the best version of themselves for as long as possible. Mm -hmm. Like, you're an East Coast guy. I don't know what your thoughts are on Tom Brady and the Patriots. <laughs> I mean, like, you're, I'm sure you're a Philadelphia I'm Eagle a fan. I'm a 49ers fan. You're a 49ers I fan. Am. Okay. A so you got, you, got, you got Chicago love in, yeah. over there with Jimmy Garoppolo. My family, we, none of us are Eagles fans. What? Yep. None of us Dude, are Eagles fans. Dude, the diehard, like, sports city that Philadelphia is, what the hell does it matter? None of us are Eagles fans. Interesting. Yeah, I'm a so, Niners fan. My brother's a Bears fan. My dad's a Raiders fan. My mom's a Steelers fan. Wow. Why is that? I feel like we all uh, come from the time when those teams were just prominent. Interesting. You know, my brother, you know, the Bears when they were yeah. at their peak. 85. The Niners when they were at their peak. Yeah. The Eagles stunk. Yeah. So when we when we me and him were growing up, they were bad. Like all my friends. Did you didn't like Donovan McNabb and, yeah. and uh, uh, T O? Don't T O's a niner. Don't ever don't put T O. Uh, <laughs> T O's a niner. 
He's a niner. 100%. Interesting. But Andy Reid and, like, you know, Donovan McNabb, the Michael Vick era, like, oh, yeah. they mean, had some promising times. And now with, uh, I mean, you get a Nick, Nick Folk, the, the, the backup, winning a Super Bowl. Yeah. And Carson Wentz, like, you got a lot. There's a I lot just, of I'm good. A nine, I'm a Niners guy. I'm, the, I'm loyal. I'm loyal to my team. I mean, I love misery, so, you know. Cool. <laughs> really? R- Rolling Meadows? That's awesome. Yeah. Rolling Meadows High School. They call it Rolling Ghettos. It's just in a, you know, a neighborhood like that. Jeez. Um, they, um, but all other Philly sports, die hard. Really? Yeah. Just football. I don't know why. Are you an Iverson fan? Oh, love Iverson. Iverson. Yeah. We were, you know, we had the baggy jerseys, baggy pants, yeah. everything. That was the 0 time. Yeah. You know, like that's when it was big. Oh, yeah. Everything. I mean, we're all processed out now. Simmons, <laughs> Embiid, we love. You like them? Yeah. I mean, everything else. Bryce Harper, that walk-off yeah. we hit the other night. I didn't, see, I didn't watch it, but Bryce Harper's awesome. name is another name. It's awesome. Know? Yeah. He's a Philly guy. Yeah. I mean, he just has that mentality, blue chip guy. I mean, $330 million is not a blue chip guy, but still. Yeah. <laughs> not anymore. But, like, the, the, monta- the mentality getting into yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. Right? He fits in really well sure. with the mentality in Philly. We get a bad rap in Philly. It's like, oh, you guys threw batteries at Santa Claus. And Passionate individuals, and man. What do you want? Like, come on, man. <laughs> you see in every other stadium across the country, people are fighting and doing X, Y, and Z. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with the Philly stadiums. No. It's every stadium. Every stadium. Everyone's yeah. drunk. Everyone's drinking. Well, I'll tell you, after Cody Park, he missed those field goals oh with the Bears. Like, everyone thinks that, like, the kicking job is the easiest thing ever. Yeah, right. You know? And, uh... Like, you should have heard. I mean, I'm sure you heard and saw, like, all the, the negative that was surrounding that stadium. And Cody Parkey this. And you have one job, kicker. You know? <laughs> the thing is, like, I get it. He should have. I mean, and the he ball def- was tipped. He definitely should have made those kicks. As yeah, a professional, he- like, you get a lot of time, tries, dude. You're like, you got to make those kicks. But at the same time, shit happens. What are you going to do? Fans have no rights to, I mean, fans have every right to do what they want to do. Exactly. But, like, they, it's, it's ignorance. Lack of understanding of how good professional athletes are. You know what I mean? But you look at this, this sequence of events that led you to that. You know, that's not the only thing that put him in that position. Sure. You know, there's other plays sure. throughout other the game. Factors. There's play calling. There's, you know, this, that, and the other thing that leads you to that specific moment. It's just like a team sport, putting it all on one person. It's not fair. You know, somebody right. misses a ball. Somebody right. strikes out. Right. It's not fair to that athlete. You know, there's a whole sequence of stuff that goes through. And, like, sure. we have to take that into consideration. Dude. But, like, if you want to blame yourself, go box. Go play golf. Go play tennis. That's when you can blame one person. But in order sure. for, like, team sports – don't put it on one person. I agree. I agree. But you know what? That's like a, it's an example of what society does and why sometimes people might be a little bit unhealthier than they could be. Yeah. Or are, they're unhealthier than they should, right? It's because they place blame on other areas when sure. the blame is inside. Exactly. Right? No one wants to soul search. No one wants to be vulnerable and learn and put themselves in a situation where they have to admit that they're wrong. Yeah. Right? This is what society, this is what we do. This is what people do. We place blame. No, Cody Parkey's the problem. It's like the, you um, know? the Bart, Bartman. Steve Bartman. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, it, Steve's Bartman's fault. Get the fuck yeah. out of here. Is it man. Bartman's fault or was it the next ball that got hit right at the shortstop that he bobbled and sure. didn't throw the guy out or was it the next ball that, you know, was hit in the center field yeah. and the center fielder couldn't catch like right. you know, yeah, I mean, say what you want about momentum, because I also think that that's a thing. But at the same time, we can never place blame on just one area, especially when it comes to team sports. Yeah, momentum is definitely a thing. There's another. They had to play another game in that world. Right. That, in that, right. In the um the NLCS. Right. So right. don't put all the blame on that guy. Totally. Yeah. Totally. And then Moises Alou made it even worse. Look <laughs> at <laughs> that man alone. Yeah, man. I remember that cup. It was 03, right? We talked about 02, yeah, 03. Yeah. yeah, I remember. Like, everyone was so like, oh, my God. In Back to the Future, they predicted the Cubs to win the World Series in 2003. Get the fuck out of here. Oh, but anyway, um, you talk about, like, uh, 
assassin mindset, killer instinct when it comes to sports. He's in Phil- he's not Philadelphia. He's in uh, San Francisco now. The kick, yeah. Robbie Gold. Yep. So Robbie Gold, Beep Gold, they were both my instructors when I was in college. And, really? Uh, yeah, dude. Like just being around, like that was one thing from a, you know D three athlete. You get around some pretty other you know other good athletes, but you, when you see D one guys, yeah. Dude, that's why like I you know I praise you, man. Good, great work with you know carrying out that vision and goal and doing your thing. Because when I was kicking with some Division One guys, guys from Illinois, guys from Iowa, guys from SIU, even I'm just like, wow, yeah. these guys can fucking kick, man. The ball goes high, the ball goes far, man. Like no problem, one step, 55 yards every time. So smooth. It's just like there's so much competition. There's so much high level and player, so much caliber. You get to a certain point too. It's like a crapshoot. It's like everyone is the same level. It's like. How much luck is Luck it? will play a role. Yeah, it's 100%. like timing, luck. It's like at a certain point when you go Division One, it's like all these guys have the same skill sure. set. It's like did this guy see this guy in a good day or he saw sure. this other guy on a bad day. It's like sure. right, we want him now. We didn't want him because he played terrible this game. But at the end of the day, it's like just you know, luck of the draw. Sure. Kind of, a revolving you know. circle. Which exactly. You How much do you think politics plays a role I mean, I feel like that's a, a scapegoat. I feel like people just fall back so? on that. Yeah. I mean, like I just said, everyone is skilled to a certain degree. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Some people should not be in some positions in sports that they're in now. Sure. But, like, you know, whether they're related to certain people, that definitely is another thing that plays a part, especially in baseball. Mm. You'll see a lot of, like, sons and, like, um, grandsons and mm. nephews of former MLB guys and mm. they're all in the minors and all playing in sports. See, like right Look there. at the Blue Jays. You have Dante Bichette, his son, Vladimir Guerrero, his son, Craig Biggio's son. They're all in the, mi- the majors right now. So it's like, wow, mm. how'd they get here? Mm. You know, they had the in already. They're great They're sure. great players. Don't get me wrong. Now I was going to say, like do you, you, have do the you feel they're good? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're all very good, you know, young you know, players. But it's just like, damn, if I had and in like this, or I knew X, Y, and Z. I played with a kid, um, he was on our AAU team when I was growing up, and he got drafted in the first round of the, the MLB draft in, I wanna say, when was I a senior, going to be a senior in high school, maybe 2004 or so. He got drafted in between Scherzer and um, Lincecum. Mm. And the kid's not playing baseball anymore. It's like, who his parents knew, like how, who wow. got him to that point, it's like, damn. And the Orioles put a ton how of money in there. <laughs> I was going to say, how, how many millions was between Scherzer and Lincecum put together that he missed out on? Crazy. <laughs> and then he tried to bounce back, and he got popped for steroids. So it was like... How much how much doping is going on in baseball now that's like kind of just not being talked about? I mean, there's still guys doping. I don't care what people say. It's, I mean, you'll get more pitchers than anything. Yeah. That, or you're... Well, they're on like a what a four day rotation. Yeah. Jake, chime four. in anytime because you're a baseball guy. Yeah, but like, four. But like they, a lot of them take it for recovery. Exactly. Well, that's so, what it. Yeah, that's what it's for. Obviously, I yeah. mean, you just recover faster. You still got to put in the work if you want to be big and strong and hit, right? Sure. Like you I mean, still got to pay attention to how fast the ball's going and make sure you make good contact, right? You just go so, back to the mechanics. You look at this is on an unnatural movement over the top. You mm-hmm. never hear of a softball player having Tommy John surgery. Right, right, right. Like, no women are having right. you know individual in college need elbow surgery where they have either rotator. Right. Course. It's all baseball. Yeah, it's all baseball. It's unnatural for right. us to, for someone to throw this hard over the top at like 97 to 100 and some miles an every hour. Every four days so, or so. Yeah, every What's four days. What's interesting though, because like you'd have, got, like the farther you go back, the longer guys would be able to pitch. Oh yeah. Like Nolan Ryan was fan, like he, he ended his career at like what, 45. Yeah, he just pitched forever. And he just tore it out. Because I, and I understand that, and then there's a thing of like people being bigger, stronger, and faster, and like people maturing 
a lot faster now. It's like there's so much more of an emphasis on, you know, trying to throw as hard as we possibly can so much. Oh, yeah. It's like the athletes are way different than back in, like, the golden era of baseball with, totally. like, you know, the Babe Ruth and, like, who was Babe Ruth hitting against? <laughs> exactly. Right? You don't hear anybody else. You don't hear anybody else's name from that time. Right? Yeah. It's like a handful of people that you hear about from yeah. that era. And it's just like, man, I wonder how fast these guys were actually throwing. Interesting. You know, not discrediting that era, but it's just like, I doubt the level of competition was as it is now. Yeah, for sure. Things we know. For sure. Especially for you look sure. at football. For sure. It's like all these guys. You got defensive like linemen running 6'5", or I'm sorry, not 6'5". Uh, like four, five, sure. four, six. Big boys. Like, Jesus. What's going on? Yeah, just What's in the water. Just imagine that thing hitting you at full speed Oof. on the field. <laughs> Dude, I've come to realize football's so damn barbaric. Yeah. You know, like the fact that we have to hit people so hard. That's why we love it. That's why, and, that's and, why we and, love and, it. Yeah, so like it, it's this like, like this negative effect because it's what the people want to see, but we're trying to reduce it because of these crazy CTE you know, stories that we're hearing, like the junior say story crazy is the saddest thing. Like the motherfucker shoots himself in his chest so that people can like scan his brain so that he can make this not happen to other people. Like that is sick. Yeah. That's, that's so, that's so sad. Like how much of that, how much of that was PEDs, how much of that was getting hit in the head, yeah. like all that stuff, like that all ties in, but it's, it's scary. And the fact that like he was cognizant of the fact that his brain was malfunctioning and he still wanted to end his life, but at the same time, like, here's my brain for study so this doesn't happen to anybody else. That's so young. Yeah. And you look at a guy like Teddy Bruschi, too. He just keeps suffering from seizures every, like, couple years. It's like, oh, man, man. How old are you? You're, you're, like, in your 40s. And he's an analyst, like, on a high level, and he's doing some work. Is he still doing analyst Yeah, he's still stuff? with ESPN. Yeah, he still has that job with ESPN. But it's like, man, it's scary. Like, it is scary. I, that's kind of one of the reasons why I didn't go that route. I mean, football was always an option. Like, coach yeah. was always trying to get me to play. What position did you play? I never played organized. But oh. I was, like, always trying to get me to play wide receiver, yeah, defensive yeah. back, just because I was yeah, fast. Yeah, right, right, right. So, excuse me. But, right, like, good. people were always, like, trying to get me to play coaches in high school and everything. I was like, nah, I'm good. When did you stop playing other sports specifically and focus on baseball? Uh, high school. High school. Um, probably about junior year, high school. Do you feel, like, lack of other sports – may have brought on injuries earlier than you would, they would have I feel otherwise. like, I mean, the way I played, you know, just like balls to the wall, no yeah. matter what. And I can remember just some knee injuries or, like, hyperextending a couple injuries or, like, my knee or whatever when I was playing soccer mm. all the time because, like I said, I wasn't the biggest guy, mm -hmm. so I was always going 100 miles an hour yeah. um, all the time. Like, even basketball, it's like you watch Allen Iverson play. It's like, all right, I want to play like Allen Iverson. I'm going to yeah. drive the lane. Really and explosive. And we get knocked over by this 6'8 guy and just get put <laughs> on my ass on his hardwood and, like, not even think anything of it. So that was always my mentality, just go as hard as possible. But I don't think – I think if I would have played baseball constantly all the way through – I probably, you know, probably would have been the same. Well, know, the reason why I asked is because like parents have a real like emphasis on having your fourteen-year-old just play baseball to focus on baseball. It's a terrible and, idea. Thank you. It's a terrible idea. Thank you. Okay, and, that, and that's <laughs> where I was getting idea. at. Like, tell me why, in your opinion, that is a terrible idea. Because you look at how other sports mold your body, right? And, you know, you develop different tendencies Skills. as an athlete. Sure. You, know, you become a better athlete. You know? Definitely. Your soccer, your basketball guy can play baseball, and like that's going to translate. You look at a guy like Patrick Mahomes now in football. He's yeah. he's an incredible athlete and multi-sport athlete. No look passes to guys right. on a you know on an NFL field, and it's just incredible. 
you get these guys that are able to compete and like know their body in like completely different way. It's and you can literally see the difference in them. Like again, the Patrick Mahomes take, it's just like he's way ahead of like every other quarterback. Definitely. He's the only going to be like his third year in Definitely. NFL. Yeah, man. I mean, AFC championship. Yeah. And the, the best of the parents, they come in here and like I just want my son to focus on baseball at um baseball, baseball, baseball. And I'm just like there's no such thing as baseball specific training, you know. I'll just sit there and I'll nod and like tell them, sure, sure absolutely, sure. we'll do this. Sure, what do you want? <laughs> you know, also, uh, yeah, we'll have No, I, I speak up think, a little bit though. Oh yeah. Um, I also think that like there's the mental part of that too, where it's like one, your parents putting all that pressure on you, two, like you burn out at some because if you're going absolutely. from 14 to 18, only doing baseball, and you want to play other sports, but there's so much pressure from all these outside sources. Absolutely. And then you just burn out, and then that can totally translate to your play, like, without even knowing. Yeah. Just be way more anxious. Yeah. And Absolutely. I mean, it only, it took me, like, two years. I, like, went baseball-specific and, like, was grinding for, like, two years, and then I burned out. Yeah. I just got How do you handle the anxiety of pre-games? How do you handle the anxiety of coming off, like, a one-for-four hit or one-for-three at bat or... Like, how do you come off that, and what, do you, what types of protocols do you have in place to get yourself back to center? I think, like, work ethic-wise, baseball is such, like, a, you know, mental sport. Sure. You know, my new, like, life hobby is golf now, so it's kind of, oh, like, the okay. same thing. Yeah. So, you know. Kickers and golfers got, like, put together a lot of times. Like, yeah. Robbie Gold is a huge golfer, and he would tell, tell me all the time in, like, golfing analogies, like, you ever do this off the swing? Blah, blah. I'm like, I can't really. I tried getting into it. Yeah. I just, I'm not very good. I it's golf super just, mental, man. Yeah. But, like, baseball, at the same time, it's like you're going from a pitch to pitch approach yeah. type deal. So, okay. I mean, having a bad game, you're talking about, like, maybe going 0 for, 3, 0 for 4 with, like, two strikeouts or whatever. You just have to be able to just get past it. Make, like, Taylor Swift yeah. and shake it off. Six, exactly. <laughs> you just got to get rid of it because, yeah. you know, carrying it over. And you see guys, they go into these funks, and it's like, you can tell when someone's going bad just watching them in the pros. It's like they're not picking up pitches. Dude, the like worst. They're not seeing the ball well. The worst thing that you can get labeled as an athlete is a head case. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, dude. I mean, in baseball, it's so easy to just lose all focus and yeah. so easily. Like, there's so many components. It's like, okay, well, I'm not hitting. What else can I do for the team right now? Can I play defense at a high level? Can I, you know, pick my teammates up? That's a good perspective. Yeah. You know, you have to be able to be in other areas of the game. So you can't let you lacking at like in one area affect your whole other game because it's just like I said it's a team sport definitely you have to be an all-around athlete in that particular sport like you guys have made a career out of just being defensive players sure. you know you have guys that just play shortstop well they play second baseball and they don't make errors and they stick around forever look at um, I don't know if you remember you remember Omar Vizquel with the oh, Indians like yeah. Yeah, that's like the same thing. Yeah, like they just play defense. They just play defense. And they'll hit like 230, 240. Yeah, they'll give you, you know, a hit every now and then. Like they'll give you like a nice one for three, maybe a two for four every every now and again. But yeah. they're there. They know their role. You know, you play that's, a small ball game. Dude, that's another thing too, right? That's important, knowing your role in a team setting, right? Like there's a lot that has to do as far as like putting your ego aside, Yeah. right? You may be coming from this you know, you're the man your whole life, but you get to the pros, there's a shift that happens. You have to know your role. Yeah. You have to settle in. You have to do what's best for the team because that energy ripples within the environment of the team setting. Yeah. And that will dictate whether you guys win championships, conference titles, or whatever the fuck, or lose. 
You know what I'm saying? And then you kind of get branded as either somebody that adds value to the team or a cancer to the team. There's plenty of players that have been cancers to, to organizations that have done nothing good for them and their career was short. And that's all like, that's, that's ego, nothing but that. Knowing your role is definitely um, a thing in professional sports and in like everyday life. Everyday People life. don't understand it. Yes. It's just like, well, you can't be the boss and it's not your business or it's not your place to like run everything. Like, right. Do what you're asked of, and then when your time comes, shot. then do it. Yeah. yeah, shoot your shot then. Yeah. You know, there's a time and place for everything, and just, you know, fall in line. Yeah, you know, everybody wants to take the lead, and we all want to just, like, get to where we think we need to be in, like, two seconds. But at the same time, I've been a trainer for seven years. I finally feel like I'm getting to where I need to be. Dude, totally. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you. I've been a trainer since 2007. Yeah. And it just now, in the last couple of years, I'm coming into my my realm of understanding my truth as a coach, as a practitioner, as a trainer, my, my thirst for developing more skills and gaining more knowledge and networking, connecting the people together. Like yeah. this has been more of part, this has been part of my, my vocation so far. Yeah. This has been part of my, my career path as a trainer and doing all these things, but it takes time. Yeah. It takes time to develop, you know? And you know, you, you said something earlier about being 21 and now this is like, I'm fully developed. I'm ready for my big shot at 21. You're just, like we're still like completely underdeveloped it's mentally, crazy, right? Right. To have somebody like take on all that fame and fortune, like someone like a Mike Tyson yeah. at 18 years old, knocking everybody out. Like that's hard to handle. And then you get to your forties or thirties or whatever. And you're like, shit, <laughs> like what the fuck just happened? Exactly. You know what I'm saying? So like I, 25, I would say like, I don't know about you, but 25 to 30 right now has been like such crazy growth and development. Yeah. What about you? Um, turning 30, I feel like everything just like shot up and like, yeah. I'm good now. Like I know where I want to be. I know what I'm trying to accomplish. And it's fun. People are like, oh man, you just like turned into like an overnight success on Instagram. Like, has it been overnight yeah. or have I been, been doing more? this and like busting my ass for seven years? Yes. But to some people you would think that, you know, they just think it all happens like that. Totally. But it's like you start to develop a following and then you start to get trolls and that's fun. <laughs> <laughs> that's a whole nother thing. The trolls. On yeah. Well, I, I'll, I'll, we could talk a little bit about that. Like misery loves company. Yeah. Right. And people who, who see other people succeeding sometimes to them, they take it personally and they want to bring that person down. Sure. When we're really, what we need to do is like come together and build each other up and promote each other. That's all right. Don't worry about Damn it. Flies. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Just like we're playing baseball, right? Fuck, focus on the ball, swing it, right? Fuck the fly. But, uh, but Keep my, that in. yeah, that yo, this, this, I don't, I don't edit shit. I do my pre, like I'll introduce you. I'll do my pre-roll and then I'll do my end roll and I'll, and I'll have, you, you know, you should lead in. Fuck the fly. Fuck the fly. <laughs> that, that's what, uh, like fuck the haters. Get out. Like that's what I'll name. That's what I'll name the title here. Sports and forgetting the flies. Um, but, like, haters, right? They want to bring you down. That's funny. Instagram is a funny place. It is a funny place. So explain a little bit about some of your, um, you know, your well, interaction it, with that. It's, it's funny now. Like, now that the following's jumped a significant amount, it's my page has become, like, a platform kind of for other people to get their voices off because they see so wow. many looking. That's the way I say it. It's like, oh, well, you didn't do this with that. Or this doesn't work. Or, like, you should have dorsiflexed your ankles here. I'm like... Shut up. Leave me alone. Like, how seriously. much does that, how much, if ever, 
and I'm going to guess it probably never does with a mindset like yours, but does that ever infiltrate the way you think about your next post or the way like you try to put something out there next? Well, just talking to me, like getting to know me a little bit better. I mean, I can be very sarcastic and then like I will post something that's like uber sarcastic and then people will be like, oh, well, don't do that <laughs> because, you know, you're going to ruin this, that and the other thing. I'm like. I'm just joking around. Like yeah. me posting something that's sarcastic is not me taking shots at anyone. You're just, just being me. truthful. Yeah, exactly. I mean, everything is just so under a microscope. Yeah. I mean, everything you do on social media is just taken completely out of context. Dude, people need to shut the <laughs> fuck up, right? And if you're not gonna say anything good, don't say it. Seriously, it's like somebody has to always comment on the way you're doing something, or like there's a ton of really bad exercises out there. I mean, it annoys me. There are stuff that you look at and people pass off as sports performance exercises, but you know, at a certain rates, like if that's working for you, great. That's but like, don't try to like justify this and be like, this is the end all be all, everyone should be doing this. And that's what irks me on social media. It's like we can get it to a certain level of the exercise and we can progress it to a certain level, but don't tell me like you catching a phone block and like playing patty cake with someone like Antonio Brown was doing with his trainer. Like, don't tell me that's fucking doing anything because it's not. And like, don't just use trainer words with me. And like, I'm going to call you out for that. Interesting. But it's not. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, no, I love it. I, I love like, it. Why are you doing this? I love it. You get a chance to train one of the best athletes in the world and you're playing patty cake with this guy. Yeah, fucking do something that's actually going to put Seriously. their game to the next level. Seriously. I don't know whoever is Antonio Brown's therapist. But we need to talk to him about, like, try not to center everything around him, especially when it's, like, a new organization he's playing for. Wow. Like, especially the year that the Raiders are coming off of. You know, a new coach, kind of going back in time, thinking John Gruden is going to be the savior <laughs> of this fucking franchise. And Mike Mayock is right. the GM. <laughs> right. It's just like, what the fuck is happening? Now they're going to move to Las Vegas. Yeah. So it's like a, it's like a clown sideshow here of the league sure. when they were going up. Like, Derek Carr had some, like some charisma, some specialty in him, and then he gets hurt. And then, you know, again, like, it's the same cycle that we're, t we're talking about. Like, how are we going to rehab people to get back to playing better than they were? But that's the thing. It's like everyone's searching for the new trend in fitness, and everyone's searching for this, like, special pill that we all think exists, and it doesn't exist. No, it doesn't the, exist. the main thing still exists, busting your ass, doing the basics, yeah. and then progressing when we need to progress. Yep. That's what gets you to where you need to be yep. as an athlete. So, like, you just think back, and I was literally having this same conversation with another trainer, too. It was like, back in the day, we talked about, like, Michael Jordan, like, his regimen was, like, so legendary. But we never seen Michael Jordan work out. Right. You know, back in the day, everything was private. Everything was reserved. Now it's like, we have to show, we have to show, we have to show. Make sure that we need people to see what we're doing, how we're doing it. It's like, such a thirst for us to just yeah. be in front of yeah. everyone and just say, all right, the way I'm doing this is right this is what we're doing, you know, there's no other way, but like our best coaches and our best athletes are always gonna be the people that wanna learn and like Bingo. take advice from other people. Bingo, dude, yeah. I love that, I love that. So that being said, what are your thoughts on unconventional methods? Like where do you see unconventional methods playing a role in sport performance and longevity? Oh, I think it's great. I mean, you just think back to even like ancient times, like the mace training and the kettlebells, they were around back then so even if you go back to like the roman times yeah. that stuff was around back then you know they build it's a way to like feel your body moving in a different way so Dude. if you didn't feel like okay well i can swing this mace to my left fine but then when i swing it over to my right i don't feel as strong as i feel so let Dang me work God. on something it's definitely a different way is like just sitting on a bench as opposed to just doing like a single arm bench press mm -hmm. type deal 
but I love them. I'm all about them. Totally. So what, like, what's your experience with them? Like how, how in depth have you kettlebells, gotten Kettlebells, absolutely. I've been doing kettlebell training before like kettlebells were even thing. big. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. and now, you know, you doing the mace stuff, I'm dying to like dive into that. Awesome. Even more. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, after this is done, we'll like do a couple things For and sure. get familiarized with it. Um, clubs or sandbags or Sand, oh, I love sandbags sandbags nice. are great we have the um, and I just posted a video using like the sand uh, physio balls like a little acceleration deceleration drill with one of my clients and another trainer dude acceleration deceleration is something that is a huge proponent of the mace yeah so like because it's offset your center of gravity shifts and you have to control that or else your spine is going to get out of line very quickly and um, part of the cues and what I'm going to go over in the workshop is teaching cues for acceleration and deceleration with the mace and so many different functional movement patterns and you do the same thing with body weight you do the same thing with kettlebell you do the same thing with clubs sure. clubs man are another thing that are going to get i think like all rehab facilities spine facilities they have to eventually intertwine some sort of protocol with the mace with kettlebells with clubs and really understand what's happening from a connective tissue standpoint mm -hmm. in order to get people even you know every ordinary everyday ordinary people to get them from where they are to where they're feeling optimal yeah. wherever that is for them yeah you know and, I mean? and even the way i train like i love doing store tension like reactivity drills with my clients like even just holding on to one of them, having them do a crossover, and we'll dive into some of that when we start moving around a little bit too. Definitely. I'll run you through some of that. Yeah, for sure. It's just like being able to feel your body and like you wanting to rush through a movement as opposed to maximizing your ability to get to that next component. Yeah. It's like, man. That's key. Like, kind of like blows your mind kind of like, Definitely. okay, well, find your big toe, find your midfoot, do all this stuff, and now transfer your weight over to your other side and like a crossover type deal. But Interesting. Excited to put you through some of that stuff. Definitely, <laughs> definitely. So, like, uh, as we wrap this up, where can people find you? How can people learn a little bit more about you and uh, your ne next Saturday? I mean, this is not going to come. It's probably going to come out after your workshop, yeah. probably. But uh, you you got a workshop coming up this Saturday. Talk to Absolutely. me a little bit about that and how people can learn more about it. So, myself and Nike Master Trainer David Carson are putting together like a performance uh, workshop for athletes, coaches, uh, trainers in the area. We actually have some people flying in from out of state awesome. and like from Canada, which is pretty cool. Awesome. Like people will come in yes. and like, yes. you know, spend four or five hours on a Saturday yeah. with us. So basically going to be about like joint mobility, flexibility, um, programming, pillars of, you know, programming. Um, we're going to go over what I just talked about, store tension, reactivity drills, plyos, how people kind of confuse them with like, oh, we're just going to go work out and just do all plyo stuff. Don't do that ever. Um, <laughs> Multi-directional stuff, you know, athletic power, all this stuff. We're gonna kind of, I know you've been to seminars yeah. before. It's like, okay, I'm just gonna put this slideshow up and you guys are gonna listen to me talk about how great I am for possibly four <laughs> to five hours. That's not how it's gonna be. It's gonna be us like taking you through like a full session. Hands-on approach. Yeah, real hands-on. Yep. It's gonna be like you're in a giant like performance session, almost like we're taking you through step-by-step -step yeah. of an athletic performance-based program. So I love it'll it. It'll be cool, man. And I'll tell you, the real gold that comes from workshops is the energy that's cultivated with the people inside sure. the workshop. Yeah. Like at, even just the you know, the, I did the one with Enter the Flow Primal Soldier here at this facility, and I've done a handful of other seminars and workshops. The communication, the uh, the information exchange between the people yeah. at the workshop is something that's so fire, and it ripples on for a longer period of time post workshop. Like I have crazy goals to do global workshops eventually That's awesome. you know and like tie in a lot of this stuff with spine health and even like chakra system and mindset and i want to get deep enough to where we can create our own reality yeah. 
based on balance of the physical structure and the mental structure and our equilibrium of our hormones and shit. But like, that's eventually how deep I want to take it. But at the same time, like the, the, the magic that's cultivated between the people I think is amazing. And I think it's key is like for the speakers and the people that are hosting the seminar, not to think that they're the end all be all. It's like, you know, network with these people, yes. get their ideas and they yes. kind of like make it like a round table. Yes. Type thing. And that's when you get a lot of energy and like the room starts to Definitely. spark a little bit. That's so, when we make those connections, yeah. man. Exactly. Like and I'm excited, I'm terrified, I'm <laughs> have, waiting for it to be over so yeah. I can like relax a little bit. Yeah, so, sure. It's the first one we're doing and like awesome. I said, we got invited to go to Ukraine and do one Dude. out there in March. So really excited about that. Dude, so, I'm happy for you. I'm glad we crossed paths and I'm a fan. Yeah. I'm a fan of your shit and you know, just know that you, the work that you do impacts me to be as best as I can be and the work that you show me through Instagram and social and the stuff that we're going to do now like I take that and I teach my athletes yeah, you know what I mean awesome. so it has this that's ripple awesome. and that is what this is all about pushing each other promoting each other uh, connecting pieces of the puzzle together and that's what's going to push our culture into a little bit more optimistic view as opposed to this shit dynamic disconnected <laughs> environment that the Absolutely. corporate world kind of you know, and society kind of shows us that we, they want, to, want us to be like. For sure, man. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, dude, I appreciate your time, Carm. Absolutely. What, what does Nooch stand for? What does that mean? <laughs> That's my, um, let me, let the me. The Instagram. Yeah, so my Instagram is at Nooch underscore 13. You guys can find me at On Your Mark. That's where I'm training out of all the time. So, if you guys need a personal trainer, Definitely hit me up on Instagram. Yes. Send me a DM. I swear I'll read it. Nooch underscore 13. Where does that come from? <laughs> um, that's my nickname, actually. Nooch? Grew up, growing up in Philly. So, um, little Italian thing. Like, anybody's name that ends in N, they'll, they'll add, like, Ooch. Carmen Ooch. Yeah. So. You speak Italian? No. I no? understand some of it. Like, right. I understand the bad words. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> my dad's name is Giuseppe. But uh, Giuseppe, uh, for a family name, is Pinuccio. Yeah. So, he goes by Pinuccio or Pino. And yeah. Carmen. Everyone's always like, man, Carmen what is Nooch. that? And just like, it's, I'm not selling out. I'm not going like Carmen <laughs> Fit, like Carmen Muscle. I feel you. Yeah, I won't change my name. I so feel you. Good, <laughs> good. Make, make Nooch the brand. That's, exactly. That's cool. It's so funny. Dude, thanks again for your time. I really Bravo. appreciate this, man. This is great. Absolutely. It's fucking awesome. Yeah. Dude, great. And that was the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. What a conversation. What a great guy. And I hope that you guys enjoyed this. I know that you guys enjoyed this. Check Carmen on Instagram at Nooch underscore 13. Check out when his next workshops are. Just a plethora of knowledge, a great all-around charming individual, and that was it. Uh, check out the Steel Mace 101 workshop at On Your Mark Studios, October 26th. There will be a link to it in the show notes. It's 90 minutes. It's a fast pace. 101 class when it comes to understanding what the Steel Mace is all about. You're going to work out. You're going to learn. And it's going to be a great opportunity to network with other people in the city of Chicago. So do me a favor, check the link in the show notes for my Steel Mace 101 workshop. Also, Steel Mace 101 60-minute group exercise classes at Balance Fitness Studios in Oak Park, September 16th, which is Monday night at 6 p.m. Take a look at the show notes for a link there as well. I'm extremely excited to bring you more Steel Mace unconventional styles of fitness. Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. I love the support that I've been getting over the last few months. And I just, I can't tell you how much it means to me that people out there are listening and uh, are appreciating the content. The, the love is reciprocated back. So I really appreciate it. Let's connect on Instagram. Follow me at Danny Cola Fitness. The only cola that's going to do your body some good. 
<laughs> I really appreciate all of you. All the love. Happy day.